you know how sometimes in life you just have these God moments where you just sense God's grace and your heart is just overwhelmed with gratitude. And it came for me uh, during Claire's baptism. But the moment when I felt the grace of God just wash over me was in the congregational response. Uh, as Methodists and Presbyterians, uh, what's one of the things that is a part of our baptismal covenant is, yes, we baptize the child. There are vows that the parents make. But what I think is so powerful about being a part of a community of faith is the commitment and the covenant and the vows that the congregation makes to that child and to that family. As I've sat there, you know, I mean, I have visited Mary uh, through the years at First Pres, and so I know some of her friends, but, but pretty much I was sitting in a congregation with strangers, with people that I didn't know them personally. And as I heard them together say, we will, when the pastor asked these questions, he said, will you assume responsibility with Mary and Peter for the spiritual nurture of this child. And in unison, the congregation said, we will. Do y'all know what that meant to me as a grandmother? I can't always be there, you know, and nor should I be necessarily every single day living with Mary and Peter. They're like, thank you, Jesus, no. <laughs> We love our mother-in-law, but not all the time. No, I'm just teasing. But, uh, you know, but that this community of faith said, we are going to join with you in assuming the care for the spiritual nurture for your granddaughter. Then the pastor asked them, you know, will you set a godly example before Claire? They rededicated themselves to God in that moment. Yes, we will, as a community of faith, set a godly example before this child. And then he asked this question and he said, will you provide as far as you're able to do all that is necessary? And now, and here was the kicker for me as a grandmother, that one day, one day, she may confess Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. And when I heard those words, I was crying. <laughs> I mean, I had, I was, I was just, you know, boohooing. Because I thought that is church at its finest. When we as a congregation, as a community of faith, assume together the responsibility for the next generation. And I know sometimes as a parent, it can feel like when you are parenting that you can feel like it is, it is like an emotional roller coaster. I've been a mom now for 30 years, and in those years, just my own experience plus talking with literally, I am sure, hundreds of other moms and dads who are on this journey that we call parenting, it can be this emotional roller coaster. You know, there are times when you are so stinking proud of your kids, you just want to plastic it all over Facebook, you know, it's like, look what my kid did, you know, you want to put a bumper sticker on the back of your car, but then there are times when you, like, want to go to the grocery store with something over your head, it's like, that wasn't my child, she did not do that, <laughs> you know, there are those times when you've got the highs and the lows, um, as I talk to parents who are still parenting adult children who struggle with addiction and some of the bad choices or even mental disabilities, some of the, the things that maybe that life did not give them the hand that they were expecting, and they are still uh, worried and concerned about their adult children. I mean, from the infancy all the way up to, you know, when you're a grandmother, you care about 
the next generation. And what a gift it is when you have this, this experience that you say, you know what, I am not in this alone. And the thing that I hope that we get out of today, kind of the big idea, I'm going to kind of go ahead and give it to you now, is that if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a grandparent, I want you to know that Martha Bowman is for your family. We are for you. We want to be your community of faith. We want to be that tribe that wraps its arms around you and surrounds you and says, you are not alone. We will together with you assume responsibility for the spiritual nurture of your child and for the next generation. The passage that we're looking at today, uh, it is one of my, you know, sometimes you have these verses, these passages of scripture that it's just your life verse. If I had to say, you know, what is that passage of scripture that I think, I, I find myself going back to it. I mean, the last, you know, maybe 30 years, I keep revisiting this scripture, imagining this scripture, living with this scripture, is the one that we're going to be looking at today. And I think it speaks to this idea of how we are in this together to be for the next generation. And it comes from Deuteronomy 6, and you've got it there in your bulletin, and I'm not going to pull it up just yet because I want to give you the context. Um, the book of Deuteronomy, um, I just, I, I, love how the, I love how the writers and how the Lord just kind of lays things out. So I want to kind of put this passage in context because it is so much more powerful, I think, when you see where it sits in the bigger story. So in the book of Genesis, you have creation, you have this story of God creating the heavens and the earth, Adam and Eve. And then as you watch the generations, it's really the story of God calling a people to be in covenant with him. He calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to make you the father of, of a great nation. And he, and he establishes this covenant with Abraham. He chooses him. Out of all the people that were alive on the earth that day, Abraham, what had he done? We don't know, but God reached down and chose Abraham and said, I want to establish my covenant with you and for the, your children and your children's children and those who will come after you, that you might be a blessing to the nations. So you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you follow this family story. At the book of Genesis, at the end of Genesis, in the beginning of Exodus, you see this family has now pretty much turned into a people. The Hebrew people is how we know them. And then we see that through a series of events, they become enslaved in Egypt. And for, you know, folks differ on how long they were there. Some would say around 400 years, 500, somewhere in that neighborhood. But they were in Egypt, and they have multiplied and now they are enslaved. Y'all know the story if you've watched the Disney movie. And then God raises up a deliverer. That's right. Or read your Bible. Either one. But Disney Bible, you know, it's all about the same. But anyway, God raises up. He hears their cry. And he delivers them out of slavery. They pass through the Red Sea. And signs, wonders, miracles, the plagues. Y'all have seen, you know the movie, you've seen the story. With a great and mighty hand, God delivers them out. Some would say that this is when we think of the nation of Israel as being born, a people group with, a, with an identity. God establishes covenant with them. The Ten Commandments, God gives the Ten Commandments. This is my, my commandments. This is who I want you to be, who I've called you to be. You are my people. Moses talks about that as they go through the wilderness, 40 years, 40 years, they're wandering around. Moses writes and he says, 
did I not, speaking about God, did I not carry you as a, as a parent, as a mother carries their child all the way through the wilderness? For those 40 years, I have imagined it, I've envisioned it. What would it have been like for a, for a family, a mom, a dad, a baby, another child, to go through the wilderness? Not exactly knowing where your next meal was going to come from, but God was their manna in the wilderness. Not exactly knowing what direction you were supposed to go next, but God was their, their, their cloud by day. When it was time for the camp to move, he guided them. Did you feel safe at night? Is my family safe? We're not behind a wall city. He was their fire by night. He was a very present help in time of need. And then, so that's the book of Exodus. Then you've got Genesis, Exodus. Exodus is the Exodus out. You've got Leviticus, the law, numbers. They number the people. And then you get to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy takes place at the very end of that 40-year wilderness. Moses is about to die. At the, end of, at the end of Deuteronomy, the writer tells us of Moses' death before Israel enters the promised land, which happens in Joshua. What's so significant here to me, this is Moses' last sermon. Here are the people that he has led. He has complained to God about these people. He has prayed for these people. He has led these people. He has been a God, part of God's hand in providing. And now he knows that he is about to pass the baton on to Joshua. And this is his final sermon, his final lecture, his final message. And over and over and over throughout the book of Deuteronomy, you hear an overarching concern. And there's really two pieces and this is where our story picks up in Deuteronomy 6. And if I could have the scripture up there to help with this, I'm going to turn right here. And you also have this in your bulletin. He says, Israel, these are the commandments and the regulations and the case laws that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you to follow in the land you are entering to possess. I've given you the Ten Commandments, I've given you the law, I've tried to teach you. And he says, so that, here's why I want you to follow these things, so that you will fear the Lord your God by keeping all of his regulations and his commandments that I'm commanding you, both you, and here's the second part, and your sons and daughters. Hear that concern for the next generation? All the days of your life, so that you will lengthen your life. Listen, Israel, listen to me. Listen, Israel, listen. Follow these things carefully so that things will go well with you and you will continue to multiply exactly as the Lord, your ancestors' God, promised you in a land full of milk and honey. And then in verse 4, I love this. I just, I love this, this verse. He says, Israel, Israel, listen. And, and I'm going to stop right here before I go any further. At this point, Moses is not just speaking to the moms and dads. He's not just speaking to the grandparents. He is speaking to the entire faith community, the entire covenant people of God. So imagine you might have grandparents, parents, 
children. You might have warriors. You might have people who never had any kids. You, you have this whole community of faith. Um, and also, another thing, too, is that this is really the second generation that came out of Egypt because all but just a select few have died in the wilderness. So this is also the people that have only known what it is to be a wandering people. But he says, he says, listen, he said, our God, the Lord, he is only the Lord. Our God is the Lord, only the, the Lord. And then he really gives them two big ideas. And I'm going to unpack this a little bit. But in the passage that we're about to read, he gives them two big ideas. And the first one, he's asking the question to say, I want you to think about who you are. And that is going to inform what you do. Okay, there is concern with who are you, and the next is how do you do it. So he goes on and he says, here is what I ask of you, Israel. Here's what I command you. Here's my hope, my dream for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. So before he gets into telling Israel how to parent, how to be for the next generation, how to transmit the faith. Before he goes into that, before he talks about anything with the children, he says, if you can get this one thing right, the other stuff is going to fall into place pretty much. He said, if you as a community of faith, grandparents, moms, dads, those who are, you know, working with the teenagers, those who are not, who are still single, if you will, let your primary love be God. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Think about him. Then out of that overflow, it is going to splash, permeate, pour out to the next generation. Um, Mary and Peter have, have visiting with us a few days here, and, uh, and Mark, my husband, um, was in the den, and he had Claire in his arms, and I walked in, and he was talking to her, and he was saying, Claire, you are precious in the sight of God. You are a child of God. And he just was quoting scripture and, and turning that scripture into prayer. And I kind of felt like I walked in on a sacred moment. And the thing that I felt that that experience kind of reflected this, I don't think my husband sat down and said, okay, at 2 o'clock today, I'm going to hold my grandchild and I'm going to recite scripture. I'm going to, no, it just, it was his hope, his desire, his dream for her. It kind of flowed out of his overflow, you know. So I think that's what Moses is saying here. He says, y'all love God with all your being and then recite these truths, these commandments, recite them to your children. And he tells them, you know, it's not just for Sundays. He said, talk about them when you're sitting around your house. It's, it's not like a, a, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, family devotions are great, but I'm just going to tell you, I, we were not really successful at family devotions. You know, we tried, and then it just, I don't know, we would just kind of crash and burn, so there we go. But anyway, but he says, just talk about God and talk about his word. Talk about your, your God story as you sit around the house. 
uh, when you're out and about. I was talking to a mom yesterday. I had the opportunity to speak at a, a conference in Warner Robins, and I was doing a workshop on family ministry, and there was an older gentleman in the crowd and or in the workshop there, and we, I was inviting people to talk about their faith story and kind of how they came to faith, and he said, you know, he said, I don't remember us ever doing family devotions, or I don't remember there being this, you know, thing like my parents were like, you have to become a Christian, and he said, but we just kind of got it. He said it was just kind of osmosis. It was just kind of who they were. And his brother um, is a minister, and he has uh, been involved in social work and lay ministry uh, pretty much all of his adult life. And so he said it was like we just kind of caught it. And so I think there's something so powerful about in the family that happening and it just being a part of who you are. So you, it's there. The words are there. You talk about it when you're putting your children down and when they are getting up. It is this, 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 it's a part of what you do as a family. And I think some of the how-to will flow out of that. But here's the hard part, is that I know for many of you sitting in this room, and maybe you're not even married yet, uh, maybe you're still single, and, and when I say these words, it brings a place of pain in your heart because you might be thinking, I didn't grow up that way. That was not my experience. And I want to say to you, that kind of wasn't my experience either. I mean, I had good stuff in my family, but as some of you I've shared before, my, my stepmom was an alcoholic. There was a lot of fighting in my house when I was growing up with my parents. We weren't involved in church kind of towards the later part of my life. My, my grandparents, my extended family was, but my parents weren't. And I remember when I was in college and I got involved in a campus ministry, and I remember watching the couple that led that campus ministry, and I thought, that's the story I want to have. I want a different story than what I grew up with. And I think that's where we find grace. And I think that's where the church circles around families, no matter where they are, no matter what's going on. And that becomes the beauty of the family, the body of Christ, when we become family and show what a healthy family looks like for those who might not have seen it and experienced it. And I think that is the big message that we have here, is that we are for the next generation. I've got a few just next steps, and these are kind of, you know, I thought about, you know, well, what are some, this is a, this is a sermon on parenting, so what are some of the best tips I have? And, and y'all, there are so many books out there. There are so many, um, you know, DVDs, Bible studies, all kind of things. Uh, so this is not all-inclusive, but when I think about my own parenting and kind of what have been some of my North Star principles, these are some things that I have kind of tried to, and not perfectly, because just let, there's no perfect parents, just so you know. Um, and my, my kids, y'all can, they're here, y'all can talk to them afterwards, they can tell you. <laughs> but, but these were just some of my North Star principles. And the first one is that our spiritual and emotional climate speak much louder than our actions. What is going on inside of you, um, whether you're like angry and feeling frustrated or you're stressed or, you know, whatever that is, that creates as mom and dad, as the, as the you know, or, or grandparents, kind of the, whoever is like the adults in the household, that creates this emotional climate 
that everybody else lives in. You give off a vibe, and it really comes from what's going on inside of you. So I think one of the things that I know I have tried to do is to be self-aware, to be self-aware when I am stressed, when I'm angry, when I'm not getting in the Word. You know, Mark and I kind of have this thing when, when either one of them, we're getting a little grumpy and a little snippy with one another, you know, one of us will look at the other and go, <clears throat> you been reading your Bible lately? <laughs> and uh, because that is one of the indicators when we kind of lose that connection with God because of busyness or whatever it is, neglect, it begins to spill out to those who are in my circle. And, uh, and, you know, of course, your family can call you out on it like nobody else can. But, but think about your own spiritual climate. The next thing is, is just have serious fun with the kids in your world. Um, I did ask, and I'm, you know, going to put, <laughs> Mary and Katie are never going to come to church here again because they're like, oh, man, once again, we're getting called out all the time. But I asked them, I said, if, you know, I'm going to be talking about parenting. If, if you had to say, I know Dad and I got a lot of things wrong. But if you had to say, what do you feel like was one of the things that we got right that you hope to replicate that in your own family? And, and one of the girls said, she said, I just liked how we always did things as a family. You know, we, we went camping, we did vacations, we did different things, but it just always felt like, you know, that we did things. She said, I just have so many memories of us being together. And then my other daughter, she said, she said I liked how our home was always open and that, you know, not only were my friends welcome there, but you loved them like they were your own. And as I listened to those things, I thought, you know what that has in common? It's, it's the relationship. It's the fun. It's that, it's that, you know, we're doing things together. And so as I think about that, you know, watch your own emotional climate, but then also have serious fun together. Um, and I think about this, and I'll, and I'll just go on a little bit. You know, you think about why did Jesus die on the cross? You know, this is kind of a, you know, Easter question, but, but why did Jesus die on the cross? It was so that our sins could be forgiven so that we might be reconciled to him. It's, it's about the relationship. It's about being the children of God. The church is called the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. All of the language that's wrapped up in salvation, it's, it's relational language. And I think that's kind of the end goal of what this is about, that parenting, I mean, disciplining our children and, and talking about their behavior, that is a piece of it. But at the end of the day, it's about loving God, loving one another, being in community, learning how to be in relationship, how to live out love in this world. And so a part of that is just being together, you know, just being together. The other thing is, and, and this was, was kind of a, uh, I would say again, just kind of one of those North Star principles for me, is crying out to God to give you the wisdom to be the parent that your child needs at this stage in their life. Here's the thing I know, is I have three daughters, and every single one of them needed a different parenting style. What worked with one did not work with the other. And, and also, as they moved through the different stages, it, it looked different. And it felt like I was always on my face praying and saying, Oh, Father, would you give me wisdom? Because it looks different. 
Here's the thing I know, too, is that your situation is different than mine. I had, you know, some next-door neighbors, and she had three boys, and I had three girls. Her, those boys needed something totally different. We, I remember one day, you know, out in the backyard, I had like a little pool in the backyard. My girls were sitting there splash, splashing, playing, just sweet, nice. I mean, you know, water was staying in the little, you know, blow-up pool in the backyard. So the little boys are about the same age. They're looking over the fence. And they're like, can we come play, Miss Fran? I said, that's fine with me. Go ask your mom. So they run in. They ask their mom. They put their trunks on. You know, they're probably like seven, six, kind of in that neighborhood. Okay, I kid you not. Those boys come flying through the gate, and my girls just like step back. All right, here they come. Those boys were running and using the little pool as a slip and slide. And probably within 30 minutes, no, probably 10, there was no water, <laughs> nothing. And they were like, oh, that was fun. <laughs> but they were totally different from my girls. And so one of the things is that every child is going to need, every teen, even your adult children, it's going to look different. I love this passage right here. It's in James, and he says, Anyone, if you need wisdom, just ask God, whose very nature, I love that right there. Listen, can y'all hear that? This is God's nature. This is who he is. It is his very nature to give to everyone without a second thought, without keeping score. Wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask. And I think this is kind of, there are so many good books out there. There are so many folks who can say, you should do this, you should do that. But crying out to God for wisdom, I think, is the first step to be the, to be the parent that my child needs at this stage in his or her life. I remember one time, it's just amazing the little miracles that God will give you. But I was worried about one of my kids, you know, and, and so then I've been praying and just, you know, Lord, help me to be the parent that she needs right now at this season in her life. And so I'd kind of just been praying that prayer over and over my head. And I went to the grocery store, and I ran into a friend that I hadn't seen her, I bet, in five years. But you know how you sometimes you have those friends that you can just, it's like you haven't seen them in a long time, but then when you, you see them, just connect, you know, it's like time hasn't passed. And, uh, you know, she said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I'm kind of I'm in a tough place right now. I said, I'm really struggling. I'm really concerned. And she said, I, I hear you. She said, you know what? She said, there's a book that my small group is reading. We've kind of got some folks in a similar situation. And she said, this book has been so helpful. And I said, really, what's the name? So they're in the grocery store, you know, in the produce aisle. I'm writing the name of the book down. And I go home and I buy it. And that book was just what I needed. I mean, it was just the wisdom from God that I needed. And so it's amazing when you're crying out to God for wisdom, he just brings people across your path, people that, you know, are ideas, or you might see something on the Internet. But I believe as we cry out to wisdom, for wisdom, he is faithful and he's going to give it to us. I think the other thing is, is to educate yourself about the particular stage that your child is in right now. An understanding heart, we learn this in Proverbs 15, 14, an understanding heart seeks knowledge. Um, if you are a parent, uh, grandparent, and, and even if you're working with the youth, working with the kids, grab a, grab a few friends together. Get a small group curriculum. Um, get somebody, join a group where there's some older folks, people who kind of walk this road, before, you know, a little bit, a little bit further down the road. And, and just educate yourself. Um, 
interview people that you respect and admire. Um, I had the privilege that when our kids were little, Mark was a youth pastor, and so the, diff the parents that would volunteer with the youth, I was often with the, those moms. And I can't tell you how many conversations I had with mothers. Uh, Mary Boyd is someone in particular that comes to mind. But I can just remember watching her, you know, raise her kids and then just saying, you know, Mary, how did you handle this? Mary, what did you ever find this? Or maybe if I'd had a spat, you know, something, it was like, but these were women who were a little bit older and they were kind of those role models and mentors to me. But I would pepper them with questions. And, you know, they weren't experts, but they were living it and had godly wisdom that they could pass on to me. Kind of the last thing is, is really raising the next generation. It is about discipline and training. And, and my hope for you is that you would always discipline out of love and always discipline out of a heart for the restored relationship. Because you know what, guys? That's how God disciplines us. It says in Hebrew, our human parents disciplined us for a little while as it seemed best to them. But God does it for our benefit so that, so that we can share in his holiness. And that's really, you know, that's the heart of it is the way that God has loved you. I pray and hope that we as a faith community will extend that to the next generation. In your bulletin today, you have some next steps, and I want to invite you to pull these out and just look at those. If something has kind of pricked at your heart today, I want to invite you to say, God, I want to live into this message today. And again, whether you have kids or whether you don't, the message to us today is that we together as a faith community, Martha Bowman, we are for families. We are for single-parent families. We are for blended families. We are for, you know, every shape, you know, whatever. I don't even, I don't even know all the, the categories that folks fit into. But we are for you. And on here, I've got just some, just some next steps. And uh, in a few minutes, we're going to take up the offering, and I want to invite you, if you just kind of want to make a commitment, I want to live into this passage today. Just, you can put your name on there, you don't have to. But the first one is, I will study Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 this week. I want to invite you to just, to, to, to read this passage, to meditate on this passage, to kind of get it into your, your soul, because I really feel this is what God has called us to do, is to live into this scripture. The other thing is, is I will work on my own emotional climate. You know, I will pay attention. I will say, Lord, help me to be self-aware this week of kind of what is the vibe I'm giving off to those who are in my sphere of influence. Am I reflecting your love and your glory, your peace, your patience, your kindness, all those fruits of the Spirit? Because if there are children and youth in your world, they are picking up on that. You are teaching without saying a word. The other thing is, I will choose to spend time doing something really fun with blank this week. And it doesn't have to be your child, but I hope that you'll find someone who's under the age of 18 
And I hope you'll have some serious fun. Um, we had a, a, a get-together at our house last night. Mark and I have a pool in the backyard, and, and one of the things we love to do is grill out and have folks over. And so I have a, a mom's Bible study that uh, we do on Tuesday nights up here at the church. And so we kind of had our end-of-the-summer get-together. But it was so much fun watching the children just laugh. I mean, just laugh. Go down the slide. Mark was throwing the football. You know, I was out, out there with Gia. You know, she was swimming, going underwater. I mean, it just was so much fun, and there was a lot of laughter. And, and I think that's what community looks like is just laughter, fun, love, so that the next generation can catch this as well as learn it in their head. So I've asked Elsie if she'll come up, and I didn't forget. Elsie works with our youth, and Elsie was in our office, in my office this week. I know, don't we love Elsie? So, all right, so she was in my office this week, and I was just kind of talking to her a little bit about, you know, what I was going to be sharing today, and she just shared with me her heart for the next generation. And it just blessed me. And so I sent her a text last night. I actually waited. I thought about this on Tuesday. I waited until last night because, you know, she, she said she's like, oh, freak me out. <laughs> no. But I said, I just wish that you would share your heart with us for the next generation. And with that, to close us out in prayer and to pray for the next generation. And so as she prays, um, afterwards our ushers will come up and we'll have our offering and you can turn in your communication cards. But I just pray that you will listen to Elsie's heart and I hope that what she shares will collectively do our heart as well. Um, so like Fran said, I'm Elsie and I'm 24 years old and I do not have children. And to you parents out there and grandparents and guardian parents and people who are taking care of kids, I can't even imagine what you go through. I know what I put my mom through, and so bless y'all. But um, I am very blessed because I get to work with our students here at Martha, and they are fantastic. And so I guess just what my heart is and what Fran wants to get across with y'all is it is our job as a church to raise up these kids. It is our job to come together, whether you're a parent or not. And um, I get to work with the next generation, and let me tell you, they are amazing. <laughs> it's incredible what they are and what they're going to do. Um, so, so I just pray that we will come together as a church family and parent these kids together. So if I can hold myself together, I will pray for us. So bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the goodness that you are that you give us as your followers to serve you by serving these kids. They are so special. Children in your eyes are special, and it is our job to come together and love them and help them grow in their faith. 